Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Purple Heart Homes presents Putting the Pieces Back Together, a forum for veterans and the community to connect with your hosts, John Galena and Brad Borders. Visit purplehearthomesusa.org for ways you can support. Good morning. Good morning. Do you even know who I am? Well, it's uh, hard to, hard to <laughs> tell with that uh, clean shaved face. I know. Well, I kept my mustache, uh, yeah. t- much to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> she told me, she said, do not come home with that thing on your lip. The, the pictures kind of <laughs> look like you were from the 70s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah sort of. <laughs> and I know Parker's been harassing you about the uh, multicam, multicolor, oh, yeah. different uniforms. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was quite the week. It really was. So uh, for everybody that knows, it's good to be back. I was gone for a week, and uh, the Marine filled in for me last week. Yeah, did, the Marine uh, yeah, did a great job. seemed like job. he did a great job. Yeah, he yeah, didn't need awesome. all of Isaiah's crayons. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's good to know you got somebody in the bullpen. That's you know, right. When you need That's it. Right. So uh Anyhow, I was up at Fort McCoy, Wisconsin. Do you know that in April it's freaking cold in Fort McCoy? And wet, uh, as I understand. And wet, and I got so one of the one of the things I got to do for the first time in my life, I got to I got to put up a GP medium tent with with about. Uh, and let me tell you this: to put up a GP medium tent, it's a very large army tent that can house about thirty people. Um, you got to have uh, you got to have at least twenty people to put that thing up, and we did it with ten people in a driving rainstorm. When it's 38 degrees, and I did not have a stitch of dry clothing on. It was just shivering and cold, just making memories. It was awesome. I, I know when you uh, when you were heading out there, they were telling you you had to have, like, your Kevlar and yeah, all kinds of no, other stuff, no, stable gear. Was that, no, yeah, so they had a packing that. list. So Army always produces a packing list for everybody, whether you need it or not. Twice as much as you want. Yeah, or twice yeah. as much as you need. Oh, absolutely, isn't. yeah, way too much. So, but but one one interesting thing happened while we were up there. I met some great people. I'm really uh, Nick and I were talking about this uh, on the on the ride over. I called him, and uh, we get really uh, fired up when we meet uh, young people who are leading in the army uh, that are new to it, and you know those of us have been around for a long time. As we're on the other end of uh, serving, uh, it's really cool to see young leaders that are just uh, you know knocking it out of the park, super smart and. And, and technically proficient, but then also, too, leadership, uh, just watching how they care about their soldiers. It was really awesome. But uh, uh, one kind of crazy thing happened is we were going to the gym uh, one night after work, and uh, we had a van, 15-pack van, and they had taken two seats out of the back of it uh, to go get chow over at the chow hall and bring it out to everybody. Well, there's a bunch of soldiers that wanted to go to the gym and get swole, you know, and get all pumped up, and they all jumped in the back. I didn't really notice anything. Uh, I was in the front. I was in the second uh, second seat, and we come to the gate, and the gate guard was like, uh, "Hey, let me see everybody's ID." And right, and so we started giving everybody's ID, 
And then he goes, who's laying down in the back? And that's when things went downhill. And, uh, <laughs> right, he had a flashlight out. And it was like we were, it was like we were trafficking people, right? And so, I mean, it was like, so, like, he starts yelling. He was like, what are you doing? Why are these people unrestrained? Where are the seats in this vehicle? You can't do this. This is against the law, right? Everybody out, right? And so all the dudes laying in the back, they had to jump out. Uh, we had to pull over. They, there were cops everywhere, federal cops, you know, because that's what works at in, uh, Army installations. And uh, long story short, um, the, the chaplain had to assume responsibility because I was the highest-ranking individual in the vehicle, right? And he was like, who's the highest-ranking guy here? And I was like, that's me. And he goes, what's your job? And I went, I'm the chaplain. And he went, oh. <laughs> and uh, I said, <laughs> and I said, hey, hey, bro, you want my ID, man? He was like, who's your Sergeant Major? And I was like, hey, his name's Sergeant Major uh, Rick Green. Here's his phone number. Give him a call. Yeah, man, he'll square you away. And uh, anyhow, he'll square he'll square him away, huh? Well, we went to the, we went on and went to the gym. They, he let our driver off with a warning, and, and it was this young corporal. Oh, he's about to come unglued, and uh, he thought his career was over. He literally thought he had done something awful, right? Like morally wrong, right? And we get to the gym. Well, the cops called the sergeant major, and then they went out to the fob that we were at, forward operating base, simulated forward operating base. It wasn't forward of anything, but it was just south of the post. But they go out, and then they pull the sergeant major out and my boss, my 06, and yell at them about how ate up their soldiers were. <laughs> and then so the next thing I know, the next morning, I got called before my boss, right, the 06, and I'm standing and it turned out everything turned out good. But what ended up happening is the little thing about leadership. And then when there's a young soldier in trouble and you're higher ranking as a leader, uh, you got to take the heat off of the young soldier. And I said, I told Sergeant Major and the Colonel, I was like, look, if you want to blame anybody, I wasn't situationally aware. I didn't turn around. I didn't look. It's my fault. And uh, so blame me. And it's really cool when you're the chaplain because nobody wants to fuss at the chaplain, right? Because they think, you know, that, like, God will get mad at them or something, right? <laughs> and and uh, so I uh, – uh, but I, I took the heat. But what, what, what ended up happening was really good. It, it, it ended up the, – the mood got really light. And then every time then from there on when everybody went somewhere, they were like, hey, remember, the, make sure there's seats in your van. Make sure there's seat belts, right? <laughs> you know. What's well, really and, interesting, uh, and I could imagine uh, why they were, you know, kind of hyper alert there at the uh, at the gate you know recently uh, somebody ran a checkpoint on one of the u.s bases right. and, yeah you know turned out really bad right it could be bad yeah. right they so and they were know. hyper alert yeah. I, it's funny i got a really interesting story about our deployment into iraq in uh 03 we were uh getting ready to go out to uh the the airfield and go catch our plane and we were on a 60-pack uh, bus and the the bus driver was an 82nd holdover and didn't get to deploy and had some medical issues. Obviously, he was wearing. Did sneakers. he have some anger issues? Well, too? Was, we had some anger issues because it was four o'clock in the morning. But <laughs> he was uh, wearing sneakers with his uh, uniform, nice. so probably had a feet profile or something. <laughs> and so we're we're pulling on to uh, we're pulling on to the the air base there and. Uh, Turn around and he sideswiped the Air Force guard shack. Oh, nice. I've never seen the Air Force move so fast. Yeah, they moved quick. Uh, didn't they? they they deployed like three, <laughs> three police cars, three MP cars, come chasing us down. Blue blue lights and sirens dragged the driver off the bus, and then our commander uh, walks back and uh, he's like, "All right, I know one of you guys got a license." We're like, "No, nobody's got a license. We're we don't have to go to Iraq now. We don't have a bus driver." Right? It was uh, it was a That's lot of awesome. fun. Uh, well, it's so, good to be back. I, yeah, good to be back. I didn't want to go. Uh, I didn't want to leave home. I didn't want to leave my wife. I didn't want to get out of my bed, right? But uh, 
Um, but you're that many days closer to retirement. I am that many days closer, you know. And uh, but it, it turned out to be I did chapel service on Sunday morning, uh, and we had 14 uh, young soldiers come uh, to chapel service, and it reminded me of why I joined the army. And uh, yeah, really that's really cool, cool to have an experience like that at the end of your time. You're listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together by Purple Heart Homes. To donate and support, visit purplehearthomesusa.org. You had a really cool social media post, and I, I love the words that you said, and uh, uh, it referred to the boots, right? And yeah. And kind of why you why you serve, and share that, share that with well, us. Well, I mean, it's just that the, one of the guys that was in the chapel service, he was taking pictures, and while I was up, kind of praying with everybody um he took a picture from really low on the floor and the the most prominent thing in the picture was the back of 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 the soldier's boots and uh it just reminded me that um you know it's the to be around people who are are wearing the uniform and and keeping you know wearing those boots is is, that's why i joined right i'm I'm, i don't really i just joined for them and um and and evidently i've all this time I've stayed in for them too, you know, That's right. uh, we can, we can, we can get clouded and we can get distracted about retirement and, and, you know, wishing time away, which is a dangerous thing to do. And, uh, we're going to talk about that because I've been reading Nick's book. And, uh, one of the things he talks about is, is time management and, uh, uh, in his book and, and, uh, man, um, really, uh, really helped uh, me gain some perspective yesterday uh, when I was reading it in the airport. So. You know, I was doing a little bit of, uh, of prepping for the show this, this week, too, and uh, Nick's got a really cool uh, YouTube uh, podcast, uh, you know, really about an hour-long video, yep. and I uh, learned a lot out of that as well. So I'm really looking forward to uh, to today's uh, show and want to want to kind of skim over a little bit of uh, this day in history stuff. Not that it's not interesting, but uh, 1986, the worst nuclear disaster in history yep. occurred in Chernobyl. In the Ukraine. Yep. And yeah, wow. uh, so uh, there's some people a uh, little oh, concerned speaking of about that, that today. Speaking of that, there were two soldiers uh, that were up at the, uh, at the course, uh, both of them from Ukraine. Uh, one guy was probably 60 years old, uh, an E-5 sergeant. I was mm-hmm. like, you're a 60-year-old sergeant. Well, it turned out he had, he was raised in Siberia and was in the Russian army. And then in the Ukraine, he was a major in the Ukrainian army uh, and had like three master's degrees. The dude was a genius, but he was very, his voice was very intimidating. He says, oh, this is not right. You are doing it all wrong, right? And everybody, like, would jump when he would say something. So he was from eastern Ukraine over in the area where the Russians are occupying it now. His family, like, extended family still there. Uh, And then there was this 21-year-old kid from western Ukraine, from Lviv, lives in New York City. He's 21 years old or 22 years old. He owns four coffee shops in downtown Manhattan. Manhattan, Mm. Four coffee shops, right? He's 22. Right, so it was amazing. Uh, it was really cool to to be able to hang out with Ukraine, and I got to throw knives with the old Ukrainian guy. It's one of the so things that I love, awesome. love the most. I miss the most about the military is just the general diversity and the people mm-hmm. that you meet. Uh, you know, we oftentimes think of you know this this idea of you know what people in the military look like, but they're really from all over the world, and they've yeah. got a heart and passion for serving others and for yeah. freedom, and that's really what it's about. Um, Another interesting fact uh, on this day in history. I'll be curious to see how this relates to your your recent uh, training. In mm-hmm. 1962, the first U.S. rocket lands on the moon. Uh, Ranger 
what is that, Ranger 4, uh, three years after. Were we the, trying to right, blow up the moon? Is that what we were doing? I'm not sure exactly what we were doing. <laughs> I think we were trying to beat the Russians. Maybe the maybe it's because Target the Russians <laughs> had landed there first in 1959, so we were trying to blow them up. Yeah, maybe. The I don't know, right? You never, you never yeah. know. All right. You never know. So, uh, I, Brad, I tell you, I missed you so much. Thanks, and, John. And, I appreciate that. And so I really do. I picked out today's joke in honor. Gosh of Almighty, here we go. Just thinking about the the compassion that, that Nick, this a is a weekly has. occurrence. Uh, but I do want to tell all our listeners <laughs> this this joke was Parker producer producer Parker approved. Oh, was so it? So if if anybody has any complaints, contact Parker. <laughs> so an army right. major visits the sick soldiers in a hospital one day. You've done that before, right? Right. Yeah. I he have. goes up to one private and asks him. What's your problem, soldier? The soldier replies, "Chronic syphilis, sir." <laughs> Gosh, my. And what What's treatment? That? And what treatment are they giving you? Five minutes with a wire brush each day. What's your ambition? <laughs> to get back to the front, sir. Good man, says the major. Then he goes to the next bed and asks the occupant, "What's your problem, soldier? Chronic pile, sir." And what treatment are you getting? Five minutes with a wire brush each day. <laughs> and what's your ambition? To get back to the front, sir. Good man, says the major. Then he goes to the next bed. And he asks the soldier, what's your problem? And the soldier says, chronic gum disease, sir. And what treatment are you getting? Five minutes with the wire brush each day. (laughs) (laughs) And what's your ambition? To get the brush before the other two, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's good. That's good. Hey, that's the best joke you've told the whole twenty. This is episode twenty-two or twenty-three. That's the best one you've ever told. Maybe right? I should but let Parker pick out. The let jokes. Parker pick out. <laughs> yeah, Parker's not. Yes, yes. Let me. He's the joke selector. <laughs> All right. Awesome. You're listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together by Purple Heart Homes. To donate and support, visit purplehearthomesusa.org. All right. It is time to get to our guests. We are. Yeah. So thrilled to have uh, Nick Lavery, uh, warrant officer, uh, former Special Forces weapons sergeant, uh, airborne combat diver qualified, uh, so much more. you know, we're, we're just thrilled to have you. Veteran, three-time Purple Heart recipient, and uh, more more medals and awards than I could uh, have time to list on, on the show. Nick, uh, welcome to the show. We're just so thankful to have you here and looking forward to uh, learning from you ourselves and hearing, hearing about your stories and sharing uh, with our listeners. Good morning. Yeah, guys. Likewise. Good morning. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. Thanks for spending some time together. You can tell that uh, Nick is not from uh, North Carolina. Uh, he has a distinctively <laughs> different accent than, than I do. Is he from and South Carolina? He's yeah, for the, the northern part of South Carolina. Northern right? part of yeah. South. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I, I think yeah. probably yeah. somewhere just, just, around. Just north of uh, Little Rock. That's awesome, man. So good to have you on, brothers. Good to see you. Likewise. And uh, I first met Nick at the uh, Thor 3 facility at 3rd Special Forces Group about 2014 or 15, probably, when you were starting starting his recovery, and I'll let him get into that. But uh, um, we we just got to see each other every day, and um, it was fantastic. And Nick's uh, Nick's friends with a lot of friends of mine served on an awesome, uh, awesome uh, uh, Special Forces team, 3126, uh, at a 1st Battalion at 3rd Group, and... uh, just uh, we got a lot of common ground, and so I'm so glad you're here and, and uh, welcome this morning from uh, 
from up in Clarksville. So uh, thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. Likewise, brother. Yeah. So, hey, Nick, if you would just do us a favor, kind of just uh, we've got folks listening this morning that had uh, not familiar with you. Uh, if you could do a little background, where you're from, how you got, uh, how did you get into special forces, and and we'll just let it go from there, man. Yeah, man. Of course. Uh, you know, kind of as previously mentioned, I, uh, I'm originally from Boston, Mass. Born and raised up there. And uh, had ambitions of the military in high school. I was drawn to the Marine Corps, actually. I met with a Marine Corps recruiter my sophomore year of high school. Skipped school, went downtown Boston, met with a recruiter. Not something I recommend doing. <laughs> uh, but it gave me a direction. I really didn't have a direction as a child, uh, as a teenager, other than athletics. So, I, uh, you know, at the time, the Marine Corps commercials were extremely captivating, as they really still are today. So I'm like, yeah, I think that that's what I might do. Met with the recruiter. He's like, cool, graduate high school and then uh, and then come talk to me. So that was kind of a general game plan. What what derailed that was I started getting recruited to play football in college, uh, which is the only reason why I went to school. I went to UMass. I played ball up there. Um, and my sophomore year of college was 9-11, which is obviously an impactful day. Uh, for for most of us, all of us that were alive and old enough to to recognize the gravity of what was happening, and I'll never forget I uh, t- I took that extremely personally. And I, as I was watching these these planes fly to these buildings, it felt like they were flying into me, mm. and I was angry. Mm. Um, and I I saw the direction things were going in, and I was confident that the United States was would respond. And, and send people into, into harm's way. And I wanted to be a part of that. So I really struggled with, with staying in school, uh, which I ultimately did. Listened to some mentors and some, and some family and, and teachers. I stayed in and I grinded out my degree, which was really difficult. And then began looking at, at options to enlist immediately after that. Did my homework and I went to a recruiter station, which had three branches, Navy, Marines, and Army, all in the same building. Walked into the Navy office first and I uh, asked him, I want to be a SEAL. What do I got to do to be a SEAL? I, I wanted to go into special operations. And those were the first guys to mind, which is still pretty common in today's world. You think about special operations, special forces, uh, individuals, the Navy SEALs comes to mind pretty quick, which isn't by accident. So uh, at the time, the Navy didn't have a program. That, that got you directly into the SEAL pipeline. So he's like, yeah, you know, you got to enlist as a as a sailor and then you can request to go that route if you want to. I said, thank you. I left, had the same conversation with the Marine Corps recruiter, got the same answer. And then I went and talked to the Army and I got a different response. Hmm. And that was the 18 X-ray contract option, uh, which is a contract option also called a special forces recruit, which gives people off the street the chance to bypass the conventional army mm-hmm. and go straight into the special forces pipeline. So I, I didn't agree right there. And then, you know, I went home, uh, jumped on the Google, started doing some research. I, I kind of heard of green berets, but I didn't know much about what they really did. You know, John Rambo, John Wayne, right mm-hmm. from the movies, but I really didn't know. So I really dug into to what a green beret does, what a special forces detachment does. And I was drawn to the term unconventional warfare, which is kind of a sexy term. And when you kind of start to extract what that is, it was enticing to me. So I was drawn to the mission set 
um, and then as well as the speed in which it would get me into the special operations community. Mm. So that was the route I took. Um, this is now back in 2007, which you know Brad was just talking about spending some time with the with the up and coming generation and kind yeah. of us older dudes now. Um, it's just wild how fast you know, the time yeah. goes by. Yeah. So I came, yeah, came in, um, enlisted 07 as, a, as an 18 X-ray Special Forces recruit. You know, went through first two years, was nothing but training. Um, got to my unit, which was 3rd Special Forces Group out of Fort Bragg. I was there as a weapons guy, or a Special Forces weapons sergeant. You're listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together by Purple Heart Homes. To donate and support, visit purplehearthomesusa.org. And, uh... And then, you know, my career just kind of took off from there. Obviously, things got a little uh, challenging at a, at a certain point in my career, which I'm sure we'll get into here in a yeah, minute. Yeah, we will. Uh, yeah. But just to kind of wave top it, uh, yeah. ended up doing about seven or so years in third group. Uh, third group will always be home for me. And uh, in 2017, I transferred to 5th Special Forces Group. And the only reason why I did that was my wife is also active duty army and she came down on orders for uh for fort campbell mm -hmm. so i swapped from third group to fifth group um was here about a year or two and then i dropped my warrant officer packet which i did back in 2019 and um and i've been right back to the oda which is uh which is where i still remain today and now you're mr lavery right yep. <laughs> so that's awesome before yeah. we uh before we go to break there's uh one of the one of the things i picked up in your youtube video uh and the title of that is uh machine fighter if uh, the listeners would like to uh, go check that out mm -hmm. uh, really really great video very well done and uh, i know cheryl's gonna post a link in uh, in the facebook feed for us but um in that, one of the things I, I picked up that, you know, really struck me as uh, interesting was you talked about your upbringing and your father and how he kind of had this, this term quiet professional. And then as you entered into the uh, special ops community, that was something that, again, uh, became very uh, prominent in, in your training. Speak a little bit about that for us. Yeah, man, it's a great point. You know, my, my father never used that term. Um, you know, he would have phrases like, uh, you know, walk, walk softly and carry a big stick mm -hmm. um, or, uh, you know, don't talk about it, be about it. But you kind of get to the same point, right? Mm -hmm. It's about being a person of action and letting your actions speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and oftentimes the loudest person in the room is the weakest person in the room. So mm -hmm. I was kind of brought up that way um, as a child. And a lot of that was to combat kind of my overly aggressive outwardly verbally spoken behavior on on the football field on the lacrosse field in the boxing ring right i was a bit of a loud mouth i was a bit of a punk at times and my father really worked to kind of correct that and it's it's somewhat ironic or, or perhaps not where you know fast forward several years and i'm working uh within the special forces community and kind of one of our synonyms is is the quiet professionals which you know has kind of different i think specific meanings behind it but i think we all can generally agree that it's really along those same contexts it's really not about um being in the limelight and being the loudest person on the battlefield the loudest person in the room it's about the effects that you're able to create through your actions and through your leadership and through the community that you build etc cetera, etc cetera. so kind of an interesting um, full circle and then to make things just that much more difficult you know over the last really two or so years you know I've kind of be 
can begin dabbling into the public sphere, you know, mm-hmm. more and more, even just this, what we're doing here right now, which, you know, if you asked me a few years ago, if I would ever have written a book or be doing podcasts or, you know, public speaking engagements, I'd, I'd tell you, you're out of your mind. I have no interest in doing any of that stuff. So it's really been an interesting struggle yeah. um, and transition to kind of uh, be understanding of what the quiet professional really is. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between being a quiet professional and a silent professional and to to be, be okay with uh, putting ourselves out there and being vulnerable yep. um, as long as our integrity is, is where it needs to be and our heart and our values and our morals are straight. There's nothing wrong with, with sharing our lessons learned and the things that we've done well, because it's not about you trying to be the loudest person in the room. It's about trying to enable the next guy or gal that's kind of coming up behind you. Yeah, and I think I, I think it's a critical piece. And one of the things that you talk about in the book, um, which the book is called Objective Secure, and um, it, it's available on Amazon and soft cover and hardback and Kindle, uh, all of that. And so, but one of the things you talk about in the book is that when you're making, and we'll, we'll, after the break, we'll talk about talk about your injury right uh but uh when you were coming back from your injury you you were you made it all about you right and uh, the comeback right was all about you and then and then you kind of had this revelatory moment where you realized that it wasn't about you it was it was about the the folks around you the guys that you serve with and their families um and and it became um Something was it was it was a difficult concept for you to grapple with, right? In what you write about, and uh, I think that is, I think when it comes to being able to tell your story publicly, um, it is it, it's what it's what the effect of what you've come through and what you've learned, and to be able to communicate that to other people, so that there's somebody else out there that's struggling with some kind of barrier in their life, that you're getting through barriers will help them get through the barriers in their life, and I think that's where. That's what a quiet professional means. It doesn't mean you're silent. It, it just means that you're right. quiet about it and that you take what you've learned uh, and you give it away because what do Green Berets do? Green Berets are trainers, right? <laughs> you know, you, you go into uh, denied territory, um, equip and train uh, local nationals to, uh, so that the oppressed can be freed. Well, right? I think another way of saying that more in the civilian and corporate world is a culture of taking care of people, yep. not for your own gain, but to see them be successful, yep. right? Helping, yep. you know, to set folks up for success, and, and that's really what it's all about. Uh, Nick, we're, uh, we're at a point where we need to take a break. Purple Heart Homes presents Putting the Pieces Back Together, a forum for veterans and the community to connect with your hosts, John Galena and Brad Borders. Visit purplehearthomesusa.org for ways you can support. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 